John chapter 2. We're touching on this text again because this series we're in is our attempt and our hope to build your faith that nothing is impossible for God. Somebody still believe that in this place, that nothing is impossible for God. I want to encourage you today to get your faith behind what I'm going to say. To get your amen and your yes, Lord, and I agree, and your shouts backing up the word that's going to be preached today. I was telling Michael before service, really, what we do here on Sundays, you get what you expect. You get what you expect. I'm sorry, this isn't Burger King having your way. I'm telling you, you get what you expect. When you come to church and you just expect another service and, and to go through the routine and be religious, you'll get what you expect. But if you come expecting a miracle, you come expecting a healing, you come expecting a breakthrough, you come expecting to meet God face to face, you will get what you expect. This whole thing of Christianity is not about what I see. It's about walking by faith. And I believe we get what we expect today. So before I get into this John ch chapter 2 thing, because I'm, I'm excited to give you what the Spirit of God is is revealed today you already know God is good you already know God is a healer you already know that God is powerful you already, you already know that God is present in this place today so I'm gonna ask you today to let yourself let your faith let your hope let your expectation rise to that place of I already know who he is and if I know who he is then I trust what he can do amen I want to share this quick little video before I get into this word from John chapter 2 because this, this really blessed me. This is, uh, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. I'm a Pentecostal boy, so this is my, my favorite Sunday of the year, next Sunday. But this little boy got me excited because, uh, you got that video there, Johnny, because I love this generation. When the Spirit hits this new generation. Talk about how God is awesome. He's a provider. And that little boy just catches a revelation. Come on, somebody. Come on, you better just... I can't, my knees don't even let me get down there anymore. But come on, look at that. Do I got anybody that knows he's awesome? Do I got anybody that knows he's powerful? Anybody who believes he's worthy of a kind of praise and just, yeah, just on the inside, you just can't help but come out on the outside. I know he's awesome, amen. All right, John chapter 2. Just stand your feet with me, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Here we go. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. What's up, mama? <laughs> Both Jesus, you thought Mother's Day was last week, right? But what's up, mama? So Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. And I love this word quick about Jesus, okay? You don't invite people to, to weddings you don't like. People liked Jesus, so they should like us. Come on. They liked Jesus. So they invited him to the wedding. Now here it is, verse 3. And when they ran out, someone say ran out. When they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Woman, what, why do you involve me? What do I have to do with this? He replied, my hour has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one could hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they did so. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was now made wine, and he did not know where it came from, but the servants knew. Someone said the servants knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Everyone always serves the best wine first. And then when everyone has had a lot to drink, basically when everyone is drunk, he brings out the, the less expensive wine. Because, hey, you're drunk. You can't tell the difference anymore. But you have kept the best until now. And this was the beginning of miracles or signs. The beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee. Here he manifested his glories and his disciples believed in him. One more time for those of you who are ready just to, to receive from God that miracle that you need. Can you lift up your expectation with your hand right now? Father, I thank you for your word because your word is truth. Your word is life. Your word 
transforms. And as the worship team just reminded us a moment ago, here, now, Jesus, you change everything. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could change water to wine, what can he do for you today? What can he change in your life today? If you have the faith and the expectation, what can he do for you today? Father, we trust you and we thank you that a miracle is here for us today. What we need, we find here in your presence. And we thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people shout amen. Come on, put your hands together right now. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. If at any point in the service today you see some people uh, kind of getting up and heading out that you would anticipate would stick around a little bit longer, today we are, uh, we are celebrating uh, the eventual birth of Reverend Devin, Reverend Karina's baby girl. I'll be coming. And so if at the end of the service you're like, where's Rev Dev at? Just, just know he's doing what his wife told him to do. Amen. Okay. Amen. All right. So as I look at this, this text in John chapter 1, I, I, I couldn't help but but kind of isolate uh, the third verse, when they ran out of wine. So uh, years ago, my oldest son, Justice, uh, rocking out on the guitar, he, he introduced me to an acronym. Anyone ever heard the acronym FOMO before? The acronym FOMO. Okay, anybody suffer? Like McKenzie, anybody suffer with FOMO? Anybody have no idea what I'm talking about? Yeah. Been around almost 20 years this term. I had, I had no idea. 20 years. This acronym FOMO means um, the fear of missing out. The fear of... Missing out, a psychological uh, order or disorder, I guess, if you will. The fear of missing out, missing out on something that, that is important. Missing out on, on hanging out with, with people because there's some place that you really want to be, but you're, you're stuck, someplace you don't want to be. The, the, fear of, the fear of missing, here we go, a potential mate in life. Okay? The, the, the fear of missing out, the, 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 the fear of missing the promotion. Uh, the fear of missing that, that, that stock tip, if you will. The, uh, those of you who grew up in the 90s, uh, as the psalmist said, the fear of I, I missed the bus, and that is something I will never, ever, ever do again. You all remember that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people are just so young, they don't even know. They are so old, they're just like, what the heck are you talking about? What is going on? This, 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 I, I missed out, Pastor. I missed the 90s. Sorry. Okay, got it. It's a fear of missing, missing out. And, and I need you to know this about me, okay? I'm, I'm actually a pretty boring person. I know on stage I'm animated and lively, but you can ask Pastor Olga, I'm pretty boring. And I like it that way. Okay? I, I actually don't struggle, Mackenzie, with the fear of missing out. I have, I have no worry at all whatsoever. You, you'll come to me and you'll be like, Maverick City's going to be Chicago this week. And I'll be like, take a picture. Cool. Uh, it took me 30, 42 years to go and see an opening day game for the White Sox. I wish I wouldn't have wasted the money. Hello. But, but, but I, I don't struggle with the fear of missing out. I, I, I'm just that kind of person. Like, if I miss out, I'm good. I struggle with a different acronym. This acronym is, is not FOMO. It's FORO. The fear of running out. Here's my struggle. Can I just be honest for a few minutes? Is that all right? It's not pastor appreciation, but can I just be honest? Okay. I have this, this fear as a pastor that I don't have what I'm supposed to give, and then you show up on Sunday expecting for me to give you what I don't even have. I, I have this fear from time to time where I'll show up on a Sunday, and you're expecting a five-course meal, and all I've got to offer you is some spam and ramen. <laughs> you, I... I, I, I I've been doing, I've been preaching, since, consistently preaching since I was 17 years old. Okay, I'm 42 now. Guess what? I have a fear of running out of creativity. You try doing this every Sunday uh, for, for 23 years. And you tell me if you don't feel like, uh, I, don't, I feel like I've probably said everything I could possibly say and, and then some. Not that the Bible has been exhausted, just that my creativity might be exhausted. And you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Come on, be honest with me right now. If I'm not creative enough during my sermon, you're going to take a nap. Come on. Just be honest. If I can, if I can be really honest about this, I, I have a fear that I, I will spend all my energy dealing with your issues. And I've got nothing left to invest in my children. Come on now. And then they end up on a therapist's couch for $300 an hour talking about their daddy issues. I have a fear of running out. I, I, I mean, truth be told, full candor, I... I fear as a third-generation pastor that I will not be enough. I will not have enough. 
I will not be good enough. And everything that my grandfather started, it'll finish with me. I have the fear of just running out. Am I alone in this? Or anybody else can just say amen. I'm with you, Pastor. I got it. You've got the fear of running out. I, I, I might run out of money. <laughs> I'm afraid I might, I might run out of time. I'm afraid I might, might run out of friends. Come on, especially as you get older. And you're like, where'd they all go? Okay. <laughs> Hello. Nobody ever talks about the miracle of Jesus at 30, right? Still having 12 friends around. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I look around. I was like, I got, I got friends on Facebook. But where are they all at? I got a thousand friends on Facebook. I got, I got one I can call. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, some of you have this, this fear of you're going to run out of opportunities. Or worse, even though it's not biblical, you have this fear you're going to run out of grace. Can I keep making the same mistake over and over again and God continue to forgive me over and over? Am I going to run out of grace? And what we see here in John chapter 2, really, it's, it's foro. It's the fear of running out. It's become a reality for, for this, this wedding. Here's Jesus, he's showing up on the third day at, at a wedding that has taken place here at Canaan Galilee and, and they've run out of wine and, and listen to me, I, I get it for some of you, if you ran out of wine at your wedding, it's probably a good thing. Because you know you got them crazy family members that are going to drink way too much and they're going to start fighting and somebody's going to end up in jail. But in ancient Jewish culture, what we see is Really, it was the epitome of, of dishonor to invite a guest and then not be able to provide for that guest. In fact, what I was reading, it is said that if the groom did not provide everything that was required, he could be sued by his mother-in-law. And you thought you had family drama. I, I, guess, I guess, here's what I'm saying. Everybody today... Every one of us, we're running out of something. I'm just going to say it. Every one of us is running out of something. Uh, uh, Pastor Olga, is, I don't think she's in the room right now, but, but she would tell you last night when she called me, the worst thing to do is not run out of gas. The worst thing is to run out of gas, and you're the one driving. <laughs> how did I not know? Why did I, how could I not see that big yellow light just shining in my face on the dashboard? How did I not hear the sign? How did I not feel the car sputtering to a stop? What am I saying? Maybe the worst thing for us is not that people expect something out of us. Maybe the worst thing is they expect something and we've got nothing left in the tank. Maybe some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're called the life of the party. You are the one who's referred to as the, the strong one in your family. Everybody comes to you with their problems, but they don't even f take a moment to realize you've got your own set of problems. And, and, and what they do is they keep backing up that truck and dumping more of their problems on you, and, and they don't realize you are on the verge of getting ready to quit because you've run out. What have you run out of today? Or, or maybe what do you fear you're going to run out of? Come on, parents. You're running out of patience. Just get a couple teenagers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Are, are you, are, do, you, do you fear maybe you're running out of strength? Do you, are, do you fear you're running out of wisdom? Do, do you fear that you, uh, I'm running out of peace? Especially in the chaos of this world around me. Uh, or maybe some of you, you have this fear, I'm, I'm running out of love. Have you ever run out of hope for a relationship that was broken and there's just, I don't have any hope that we can ever fix this again. Have you ever run out of ideas on, on how to reach that next level of success in your business or, or in life? Have you ever just run out of, let's just call it what the Bible calls it, joy. Joy unspeakable and full of, I've just run out of joy. And this is why I love this text here because it is so important to understand that in Jewish literature, anytime you see the word wine, wine is a reference or a symbol for joy. Ah, oh, those who raised Baptists, we were like, well, I thought it was like a symbol for like sin. Oh, the Jews understood this was a symbol of joy. I know some of you won't get happy until you get a little sippy sip going on. Come on, somebody. It's a symbol of joy. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just simply saying. It's, a, it's symbolically a symbol of joy. So when they run out of 
wine. Biblically speaking, they've run out of joy. The joy is gone. Now, here's what I see in the text, and maybe, maybe you didn't grab this initially, but here's what I see in the text. Coincidentally, this miracle only started once the wine was gone. Isn't that crazy? It's only when they ran out of what they planned for that God began to show up and give the provision for what they needed. Come on, Jesus, come on and be a part of this wedding. We, want, we, we like you, Jesus. We, we, we like you so much, we invite your crazy disciples. Come on, just bring them all to this party. Let's go, let's have a good time. And, and here they, they show up, and, and I need you to do, uh, just to understand that Jesus comes to this wedding as a guest. But he has to now show up now also as a provider because the host could not supply. Don't you love this about Jesus? When Jesus shows up, he does not come to demand righteousness. He comes to provide righteousness. Come on, religion demands that you live holy. Jesus comes to provide a way to live holy. Woo! Well, that's some good news right there. Thank you for the three people who caught that in your spirits. Because religion is sitting here demanding that you do right and talk right and think right and act right, but Jesus doesn't demand it. He comes up and makes a way for it to happen in your life. He provides what religion demands. And the very first thing that Jesus does when he performs his miracle is he takes away the shame from this couple because they ran out of supply. This was, a, this was a disgrace. So Jesus shows up and removes the shame. Can I get a witness from somebody who knows exactly what I'm talking about? When he showed up in your life, the very first thing that he did was remove the shame from your life. And not only did he, not only did he speak to that shame, he took it away. I love how John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away. He doesn't just expose my sin. He removes it. Takes away the sins of the world. Give me verse 3 one more time. Thank you. Verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, when they ran out, I just expressed my, my personal fears. I recognize every day of my life, Lord, I need you. <laughs> I need you. Because I, if I don't have you, I'm going to run out of what I need. Yeah, I, I, I need you on a daily basis. I don't know how to be the husband or the father or the minister or the pastor or, or, or the friend. I don't know how to be these things without you. And I'm afraid I'm going to run out if I don't have you daily. But here's what the Bible tells us. Jesus shows up at this party, right? He arrives. And he lets the wine run out. He shows up but doesn't do anything about the supply. He's just there. He lets, he lets it run out. If I've learned anything about this walk with God, I have learned that there are times that he will let things run out until someone will start to seek him. When they ran out of wine, someone decided, I need to go find the miracle worker. He will let things happen in your life until you come to your senses and realize, I need to seek him. I've got a need. I need to seek him. And, and I, I love this. It says that Jesus' mother, Mary, came to him. Now, Mary didn't know what he was going to do, but she knew who to go to. I know it's not Christmas time, but Mary, did you know? Yes, I did. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I knew who I needed to get to. And she didn't go to the wedding planner. She didn't go to the couple. She, she didn't go to the minister. She didn't go to the feast of the ceremony. She went to the master and maker of everything. And I just want to preach today to those of you who don't know what to do right now, but you know who to go to. I came to tell you, maybe the reason that you're running out is because of who you've been hanging out with, and they don't have enough to give you. They don't have it. They can't provide it. They can't supply it. And they too are running dry. But if you know the one to run to, you will go to the one who can still make rivers in the desert places. And Mary said, she said, look, they've got no more wine. 
Now, it looks like she's informing Jesus, but she's not informing Jesus because Jesus already knows what's going on. She's not informing him. She's involving him in what's going on. Here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus already knew. And why do I believe that? Because he is the word from the beginning. He was always with God. He will always be with God. He knew because he's the one who spoke to the grapes on the vine that grew, and he knew they didn't bring enough to the party. So he was the one who ultimately was there to determine I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the word. I already know what you're missing before you show up to tell me I need it. Ah, but it doesn't say that in text, Pastor. Okay, well, let me show you a text that actually does. Same book. Jesus just preached to 5,000 starving dudes. They is hungry. Maybe a little hangry. And the Bible doesn't even tell us how many women and children were present. Just 5,000 men present. And at that moment in John chapter 6, Jesus is about to feed the 5,000. And he turns to Philip and he asks Philip, he says, where can we buy bread for everyone to eat? Look at what happened in verse 6 because I need you to know that Jesus already knows. And Jesus said this to to. to test Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Can I find some believers like Jesus' mama Mary? You may not know what Jesus will do, but you know who he is. I need somebody to shout right now if you know he is the way maker, if you know he is the miracle worker. I need somebody to put a praise on the truth. He is a promise keeper. Somebody put your hands together and let your faith know. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know who to turn to. And I love this because look who comes to find him. His mama. Don't nobody know Jesus better than his mama. She, she knew better than anybody what was in Jesus. How did she know better than anyone what was inside of Jesus? Because at one point in time, he was within her. Can I speak to some people in Christ today? (laughs) When you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you already know. I need somebody to take a moment right now and just say, I need a miracle and I already know because he is within me. I already know he is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. I don't just want to tell you God can. I want to tell you God will because he's in me. I already know. And I just want to, if you're taking notes, just, just write this down real quick. When I don't know, I already know. Who already knows? It's such a simple statement. But when I am uncertain and I don't know, I already know. Who already knows? Come on, just look at your neighbor real quick. Let's just tell him, say, God already knows. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to disguise it. Don't pretend it ain't there. God already knows. The theological term is he is omniscient. That means he is all-knowing. Can I tell you that God doesn't learn anything? He already knows. He already knows. In fact, I want to speak this over your life here today just for a moment. If you're wondering if God's got a plan for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, it's written on your ankle. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, somebody needs this right now, so you receive it in faith, to prosper you. Not just financially, emotionally, mentally, in your physical body, in your spiritual well-being. To prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Can you tell somebody one more time if you believe this? Tell them God already knows. He already knows. Now give me verse 4 again, Tiana, verse 4. So initially Jesus tells his mom, he says, look, mama, it's not yet my time. And I've, I've spent enough time on that two weeks ago. I won't get on that again, but it's not my time yet. But look what Mary does. Mary's smart. She doesn't argue with the word made flesh. She doesn't beg the word made flesh. She doesn't try to manipulate or convince the word made flesh. She just turns to the servants 
And she says this. She says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do it. Whatever she tells you to do. I watched the, anybody, what's the movie called? Air? Anyone seen the movie? Come on now, somebody. About them Jays, the Jordans. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry. But I watched this movie the other day, and it was about Nike basically signing Jordan. Nike was going to be out of the, of the shoe business, the basketball shoe business basically, not the shoe business, but the basketball shoe business. And somehow, miraculously, they were able to sign Jordan. And in fact, I think the reason that most of us even know anything about the swoosh today okay, is because of Michael frickin' Jordan. And I know you LeBron fans are, are going to be crying all tears all this week when they get swept by the nuggets, but I just came to tell you, I know who the goat is. Okay? I, I, I got to watch it with my own eyes. And, and the fact that, that, that Nike was able to sign this guy, and now everywhere we go, people to this day, though he's been retired for the third time for you know, well over a, a decade, we, we still know this, this slogan, just do it. She looks at the servants and she says, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Just do it. I don't know what you believe, but I believe these are the last days. And in these last days, we need more than just believing people. We need some doing people. Come on, James chapter 2 tells us to have both faith and works. I'm glad you got faith, but you can show me your faith by your works. And so when she says just do do it. I believe what, what Mary is, is ultimately saying to us is sometimes it's not enough just to pray. Sometimes it's not enough just to ask. Sometimes we have to start to seek and search and knock and go after. And here's the thing about Jesus. He never tells Mary that he's going to do a miracle. But Mary had just enough faith to say simply, if I ask you to do it and if I will do my part, you do your part, my, I do my part, I will see a miracle collide with my faith in this moment. Uh, I said this earlier, but, but it, it bears repeating. Really, there is, there is nothing harder to work in than in an atmosphere of zero expectation. You don't know what it's like to stand up in front of people every week who, just, who look like they're tired and bored and, and they already know and, and, they just, and, and, and God isn't worthy of the highest praise and, and he doesn't deserve all their soul and strength and, and mind and, and, and heart. And, and you stand here sometimes, you're just like, I'm doing everything I can, Lord, to, to tell them the truth and they've got zero expectation about what you can do. And I need you to know, once you lose your expectation, you will lose your potential for a miracle. If Satan is coming after anything today the enemy is coming after your expectation the enemy wants you to accept a wedding without wine he wants you to accept a, a, a life without joy he wants you to accept a, a marriage without love dare i say in 2023 he wants you to accept the church without the power of god satan can steal my money Satan can, can steal my, my benefits. He can steal my insurance. He can steal my job. He can steal my house. He can steal my health. He can steal my church. But if Satan can't steal my expectation, then I still have a chance for a miracle. I need somebody with a little bit of faith to put your hand together and tell your expectation. You need to come up from a zero to at least a three right about now. And maybe by the end of service, I'll be around an eight or nine because at my level of expectation, my level of reception... Believe, believe. Don't let the enemy steal your expectation. You can still get a miracle today. Verse five, verse five. But his mother told the servants, do whatever. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now can I just, just for a couple of months, can I just, just sit here for just a second? It is so simple for me as a pastor to look you in the eyes and be like, just do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Okay. Uh, Pastor, I have no idea. Am I speaking to anybody's like, maybe I'm on your block, coming up to your front porch? That's good advice, Pastor. Do whatever Jesus tells me to do, but what if I have no clue what Jesus has told me to do? Well, 
what if, what if, what if sometimes I, I might have an idea, but I, I don't fully know? What if sometimes I'm stuck in between, right? Between I, I know he told me to do something, but help? What is that exactly? Sometimes I don't know if I should take the overtime and make more money to send four kids to college or spend less time working and more time with a family that's going to need me because they might not even go to college. I don't know. Well, sometimes I can't find a Bible verse if I should continue to live in Aurora or move out west to Pawpaw. Where's Pawpaw? Exactly. Sometimes I don't know. I just don't know. Help, Lord. Help. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I need you to know this college student. Sometimes it's more important for you to keep working on your own character than really knowing where am I supposed to go to college because it doesn't matter where you go to college if your character will fall short. I, 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 sometimes I just don't know. And sometimes anyone else like me, have you ever just suggested to God, God, if I knew what to do, I would do it. Am I alone in this? God, if I knew what to do, you, Lord, you know, I would, you know I would do it. And my question to you is, what if God suggested back to you, if you would just do what you already know? Oh, pastor, going to get all confusing on me now. He's going to get deep and theological. No, it's actually not that deep at all. You're telling God, if you just tell me what to do, God, I'll do it. And what he says, okay, just do what you already know. Wait, wait. Say what? I'm running on empty, Lord. I'm waiting on a revelation from you. And God is like, what if you just did what you already know to do? Let's be just completely transparent. Americans in the house. Americans, we are addicted to knowledge. Come on. That's why we still watch Jeopardy to this day. I mean, just nonsensical knowledge. Stuff that's not going to do anything for me in life, except maybe, maybe get me on that show and maybe win me a couple thousand dollars. Maybe. Until I get the wrong answer and, and lose it all, right? And then I owe them. Hello. We are addicted to this thing called knowledge. Because... We want to know. But can I tell you this? Knowing isn't enough if you won't do what you know. Thank you, because it's not deep. Come on. This is really not. Most Christians, they have, we really have no excuse. We actually know what to do. That's not our problem. Our problem is we don't want to do it. I'm not making too many friends this Sunday, am I? Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me give you what James said in James chapter 4. He said it like this to those of us who know what to do. He said, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to that man or to that woman, it is, woo. I don't hear too many Christians quoting this verse ever. Like, they don't ever quote this verse. They're just like, no. No, no, I got the sins of the flesh. I got the lust of the eye, the, the lust of uh, the, 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 the pride of life. I struggle with that, Pastor. Don't you dare tell me if I know to do good and I don't do it to me, it's... Say, what? Is my salvation based on what I do? Your salvation is based on what Jesus did. But if I want to stay out of sin, then I still got to see the opportunity to do good when it presents itself. And that's just the point I'm simply trying to make. As much as we are addicted to knowledge, all that knowledge that you accumulate means nothing if you won't do anything with the knowledge you possess. Can I just simply tell you like this? You already know enough right now. You know enough right now. For those of you who are trying to get physically fit, you, you have enough right now to be physically fit. What do, I, what do I mean exactly? I mean, instead of chasing after every celebrity diet that exists, and instead of wasting all your money on a gym membership you're not even using anyway, hello, somebody. Oh, Lord. Pastor's being mean today. Just do what you know. Would you just, just poke somebody and just do something? Just do what you know. 
just do what you know. You already know. Come on, you already know how to do sit-ups. You already know how to do some jumping jacks. Maybe you don't have enough money for a gym, gym membership, but you know what? You, you, you have something heavy in your garage you can lift up if you need to. You already know how to do some, some push-ups. It's not that you don't know how. It's that you don't want to. You know how. To, come on, somebody. You, you know you need to walk more. You know you need less pop and more water. You, you know as much as you love McDonald's drive through you know you need to eat healthier. You already have within you the capability to be physically fit. And dare I say, you already have the capability to be spiritually fit as well. You know how to pray. You know how to study. You know how to seek God. You know how to forgive. You know how to do a God. You know how to live holy. You know how to worship. It's already in you. It's not about what I know. It's about what I'm willing to do. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Listen to me. We don't need God to clarify anything. We just need the courage to do what we know to do. Come on, somebody. If you didn't do it last time, let's pray for a little bit of courage so I can do it right this time. You knew you needed to humble yourself so to do it right this time. You knew you needed to forgive so let's do it right this time. I haven't said it once this service, but here it comes. You know you need to give according to the word. Here's my shameless plug for your tithe and your offering. Here it is. You know what this book says. Don't go getting mad at God when you still are struggling to make ends meet. Yikes. I better stop talking about money. So let me talk about you. You know the Spirit of God told you, stop listening to that gossip and just go pray for them. And don't get a prayer train going about the gossip. <laughs> if Emmanuel was up there, he'd give it to me. Just pray. Anybody else just agree with me real quick? I got to stop. Anyone else just agree with me? We're getting too old for gossip. <laughs> Help me, somebody. Come on. Come on. I know for some of you it's an addiction, but you're just too old. You're just, you're just too grown for that. If you hear something negative about them, get on your knees and pray for them. Because regurgitating gossip isn't going to change them or help them or heal them or deliver them, but you're getting on your knees and seeking God on their behalf might bring about a change in their life. Amen. I digress because you want me to move on. It's not in the knowing is my point. It's in the doing that miracles begin to happen. Mary knew who Jesus was, but she told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And look what happens. Look what happens. She says, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I feel like this is a double-edged sword because when she, she clarifies, do whatever he tells you to do, it's implying don't do what anyone else tells you to do. Because how many of you right now are wasting all your energy on what everybody else wants you to do and you have almost no energy left to do what God has called you to do? Come on, somebody. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, man. Come on. Come on. That's exactly right. I am spent taking care of all of their issues. I've got hardly anything left to give to my father this weekend. Oof, I get it. Let's look at verse 7 with me. So after Mary stops talking to Jesus and starts talking to the servants, Jesus is like, fine, all right, all right. And I love this about my Savior because he's not reluctant to get involved. You need to know he's not reluctant. What he's waiting for is for their involvement. So he, so he tells them, he says, <clears throat> fill the jars. And I love this about these guys. They take him literally, and they fill it to the brim. They fill these jars to the brim. Now, let's do the math real quick. 30 gallons, each, each ceremonial jar could hold 30 gallons. Six jars total. 30 times six is, any mathematicians in the house? 180. 
180 gallons of Jesus juice in these jars. 108. Now, listen, somebody, I don't know about you, but this is just way, I don't see how any of these guests could have consumed that much wine, allegedly. But I look at this and I simply say, Lord, why did you provide so much wine? And I'm inclined to believe that Jesus does not know how to give just enough. The only thing Jesus knows how to do is what he is, the God of more than enough. I'll quote it again, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think. He doesn't know how to do just enough. That's how you treat your spouse, just enough. He only knows how to do more than enough. Whew. That's how you treat your job. That's how teenagers treat their homework, just enough. He only knows how to do more than enough. Look at verse 8. Then he gives them one more command. So far they've done everything he's told them to do. So far, all they know is that they just put some water in some jars that everyone uses to wash their hands in. Oh, great. This water's probably really dirty now. And I just want anybody to watch The Chosen? Anybody watch The Chosen? Okay. I don't typically advocate for shows, but it's a good one. And, uh, and, if, and if you don't like the human side of Jesus, then you're going to hate the show. Yeah. But, but thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> He's the light. And... Uh, and there's, there's a scene where they actually, they show him turning the water into wine. And because these are ceremonial jars to wash your hands, he puts his hand in the water, pulls it out, wine. I guess, what, what am I getting at? When he tells them this, when he gives them this last command, he says, draw, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They had no idea they were going to be bringing anything other than just dirty water to the master of the feast. But look at verse 8. And they did so. I promise I'm about to get a Nike sponsorship up in this house. They just did it. Come on, somebody, because some of you ain't giving anymore, and I'm trying to raise some money for our own building. So come on, somebody, believe with me for a sponsorship. Come on, Nike. I'll, I'll, rub, a, I'll rub a Nike suit. Hello, somebody. Put the little swoosh on my tie. I don't care. Here, here it is. They just did it. And verse 9, and when the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been turned into wine, he did not know. He did not know. Here he was. He tasted the product, but he didn't understand the process of what had just happened. He did not know where the miracle came from, but who did? The Bible tells us the servants knew. Can you remind a servant sitting next to you today? You already know. You already know. I came to ask somebody today, do you know who understands and who knows what God's will is in the earth today? Do you know who is right there watching? and partaking in every miracle that God is performing today. It is not the people who sip. It is the people who come and serve. We know what God is up to right now. And I need to take a moment and pause for the cause and thank God for every servant we have at Impact Church. Our dream team, our media team, our worship team, our sound team, Impact Kids, Impact Littles, anybody who serves before and after you get here or leave. Thank God for these servants because they understand it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I came to thank somebody here today and remind you God doesn't bless the people who come and sit. God will bless the people who come and serve him. Let the servants say amen today. I came to serve him. Yes, he's my father, but he's my God. He's my master. He's my Lord over all. I came to serve him. Let me finish here. Now the master of the feast had no idea where the wine had come from. So he calls the groom. He's like, bro, you hold out. What, what FOMO going on here? What, what? He says to him, he says, everybody brings the best wine first. And then once everybody is wasted, 
They pull out the cheaper stuff. Isn't that the way that sin works? It's all great at first. But after a little while, it starts to run out. Oh, I, need a, I need a witness from somebody who knows, who's lived this life. It, isn't, isn't that the world's way? They, they offer so much up at first, and it's so great at first, but then eventually it runs out. And, and here he is, this master of the feast, he's observing this, and he says something to the, the, the groom. He says, you did things differently. You did things better. Whew. An old song that talks about how every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You did things better. You did things sweeter because you, check it out, you saved the best for last. Can I just take a moment and prophesy over 2023? If this is for you, then lift your hands. I prophesy right now that your best days are not your behind days. It's not what's behind. I want to prophesy over somebody. Throw up your hand real high if you receive this word. I came to tell you that God has saved his best for when? For last. For right now. If these are the end of times, then these are the best of times. I came to declare to you when you could have been born in any era or any generation, God has you here now for such a time as this. Somebody throw up your hands and in faith declare my best days are now. God has saved the best for last God has saved the best for now he saved me for the end because I'm the best of what he has to offer come on put your hands together and praise God he saved me for now the best for last stand your feet with me stand your feet with me I started this service by by sharing the acronym Justice taught me. I had no idea what it was. What the heck is FOMO? I thought I was like, I'm be honest with you, I thought it was something like foaming at the mouth or something like FOMO. What? Bro, come here, let me pray for you. I didn't know. Because he told I'm suffering from FOMO. I was like, well, let me pray for you. Okay. Oh, 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 I got it. I got it. Oh, I get it. You've got to stay home and study and you want to go be hanging out. I got it, right? And, and I know Mackenzie said she was honest, but now that you understand, anybody, anybody just honest, I, I kind of suffer with that, Pastor. I got a little bit of FOMO. I got the fear of missing out in my life. It's okay. It's okay. Thank you, Mackenzie and Liz, all two of you. Hallelujah. Okay. Everyone else is just so content with life. Hallelujah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. There you are, Katie. I see you, sir. Got it. That fear of, of missing out. So let me, let me give you one legitimate FOMO that we all should fear. The fear of missing out on eternal life. But here's the beauty of salvation. When I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become brand new. In Christ, there is no longer a fear of missing out. In fact, that fear of missing out is eternally removed when I'm in Christ. Can I remind somebody, there's a promise that God gave you that you're gonna live in one day for all eternity. It's called heaven. Listen to me, heaven is the restoration of everything that's been broken by sin in this life. Heaven is the reparations for everything that you have lost in this life. Heaven is the reimbursement for everything you have missed out on in this life. I love how John said it in Revelation chapter 21. He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will live with them. They will be his people. Somebody say, that's me. And God himself will be with them as their God. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. If you've missed out on anything in this life, understand that the one to come is going to pay you back for everything that was taken from you, stolen from you, happened to you. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have passed away. Can you throw up your hands right now? Because the one seated on the throne is telling you today, Behold, child, I make all things new. Somebody throw up your hands and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You make all things. Jesus, you change everything. And you make all things 
brand new. With our hands raised for just a moment. I'm going to ask you to be this, especially if you need a miracle. I'm going to ask you to be to seek the Savior. Seek the Savior. Jamin Becker is a pastor. He's not your Savior. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So if you need to close your eyes and focus on the Savior, then focus on the Savior. But hear me in your spirit. I want you to relive this miracle for just a moment. He transformed water into wine. How did this miracle happen? It was through Jesus, through the Word, through the obedience to the Word, through Jesus, the miracle of water to wine began to happen. Ooh, amen. I feel somebody get ready to move. Go ahead. Yeah, move from your seat and come on. Move from your seat and get down here and seek the face of God. Come on. Move from your complacency and come close to your creator. Move from that nominal lukewarm walk and come to a place where you are seeking. Move from just asking and begging and praying. Move to a place of knocking and searching like the scriptures. Come on, amen. Amen. God is responding to your faith right now. He's responding to your expectation right now. This miracle happens through Jesus. Through Jesus. That means everything you're running out on in life, everything you're missing out on, everything you've been searching for, what you are missing is just Jesus because it's found in him. And you might not have any wine today, but if you have the one that can transform the water, then you have everything that you need for a miracle to happen in your life right now. Come on, somebody help me seek Jesus. We seek the face of Jesus. We seek the face of of Jesus we seek your presence right now we need you Lord if you are physically able can you bow your knee with me right now before the just the presence of God nothing too complicated if you're physically able it's in these moments Heavenly Father we're an act of surrender it's going to bring about a, an act of mercy, an act of grace. It's in these moments of surrender where I believe God is going to begin to show us who he is. Oh, Lord. I've got brothers and sisters across this room that need a miracle. And the reason we had those lyrics on the screen is so that you could declare, I need a miracle. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know who you are. You are the miracle maker. And with God, nothing is impossible. I speak to your life right now. The miraculous is happening. A miracle is taking place. You have no idea. All you're doing is being obedient. You're just filling the jar like you were told to. You're bowing your knee like you were told to. You're lifting your hands like you were told to. You're just doing what you know to do. That's it. You're just worshiping in spirit and truth. You're just, you're literally just denying yourself, taking up your cross. You're just doing what you know to do. And it's in these moments right here, right now. I'm just doing what I know to do. And I don't, amen, there it is. It's happening. It's happening. And I don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, but I know who's going to do it. I know who's going to come through. I know who's going to heal me. I know who's going to deliver me. I know who's going to restore me. I know who's going to transform this brokenness. I know who's going to show his power. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know he's going to come through. I know he's going to come through. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know he's the miracle worker. I know it. I know it. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I know he's going to come through. I don't know much. I don't really know uh, much of the word. I, I don't know much about church, but I know who he is. I know he's the miracle worker. I know nothing is too hard for him. I know he's the powerful God. I know he's present right now. I know he's never left me. I know he's never forsaken me. I know it. I know it right now. I know it. I need my miracle, Lord. 
So I'm coming to you, the miracle worker. I'm coming to you right now and I'm believing. I have what I need right now. I have what I need right now. It might still be water, family, but it's about to become wine. Oh, it might look ordinary right now. It might look normal. It might look natural. Oh, but you're being obedient. And he's about to make it supernatural. He's about to transform it. He's about to make a way where there was no way. He's about to make those rivers and desert places. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to see it. It's already happening. Because you don't walk by sight anyway. You walk by faith. It is already happening. It is already happening. It is, my miracle is here right now. Somebody in faith, reach up and grab it. My miracle is here right now. Come on, grab it in faith. Grab it in faith. My breakthrough is here right now. That loved one you've been praying for and, and talking to God about it. God, you're, you're bringing them out right now. You're delivering them right now. You're transforming their heart and life right now. The miracle is happening right now. Right now. Right now. As I believe, as I believe, you are doing what only you can do. A miracle is breaking out of my life. You are the miracle worker. Ah, oh, yes. It's right here, ladies and gentlemen. It's near. It's near. Somebody just tell your faith it's near. It's near. Come on, tell you, it's near. It's near. Pastor Bethel, when they when they were obedient, all they did was grab what Jesus told them to grab. Grab those six water pots. The Bible tells us it was near. It was near. The thing that was going to hold their miracle was near. Believe today, child of God, it's near you. It is near you. And here's the beauty of it. It was right now. It was now. Somebody declare, no more FOMO for me. I'm not going to miss out on anything God has for me. Because right now, right now, someone say now. Pastor Bethel, we've already quoted like five times in the service, but now unto him who is able. Our God is a right now God. Right now. And you know what else is right now? Your faith is right now. Faith doesn't understand time. Faith operates in the now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right now. I'm believing in faith now. And I thank you, Father, that a miracle is taking place right now. If someone can sense the hand of God stirring up the waters, if someone can sense the hand of God transforming the normal into something supernatural, if somebody in this place can sense that God is working all things together for good, if somebody can sense that I don't see it, but I know it, he's working. I already know he's working. I already know he's transforming. I already know he's healing. I already know he's delivering. I already know it. That means my miracle is now. I know it. I know it. And we praise you, Father. And let's do what the Bible teaches us. We've made our requests and our supplications, our petitions. We've made them known to God. Now somebody throw up a thanksgiving unto the Lord. I thank you, Father. Come on, someone tell me, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the healing. I thank you for the breakthrough. I thank you for the blessing. I sense this thing. I sense this thing. I'll wrap this service up, but I sense this. Who has been praying for a financial miracle this week? I've been praying for a financial miracle. Who's been praying for it? Throw up the real high. Throw up the real high. Throw up the real high. Everyone turn around. Look at those hands that are up. Look at, turn around. Look at the hands that are up. Turn the hand, Look around. Pastor Bethel already taught us this. I need you to know there's a miracle here right now. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Look around the room. If you see somebody with their hand up and it's not you, then grab your wallet. Grab your purse. Pull whatever God lays on your heart. Go ahead. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. Look around the room. You see somebody with their hand up. Go ahead. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. We're going to see the needs met today. It might not be all of it, but God's going to show you he's for you. He's going to show you. Keep that hand up. Everyone, look around, look around, look around, look around, look around. Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't have physical cash. That's fine. God's going to make a way. God's going to write him a check. I don't care. 
Go ahead. Right now, keep that hand up. I need a miracle. I need a financial miracle. I believe God's going to bless you. Amen. Keep those hands up. I see it. I see it. people are moving right now. People are moving right now. They're moving in obedience right now. They're moving in obedience right now. Keep that hand up. Don't put that hand down. Don't put that hand down until somebody walks over and blesses you. Don't, don't put that hand down. Don't, put, don't do it. God, is, God has been working. Oh, this is Pastor Bethel was speaking during the offering message. He's using us right now to meet the needs in this place. And you already know it's more blessed to give than receive. It's coming back into your life anyway. Come on, keep those hands up. I got to make sure that everyone, everyone receives something. You, I need a blessing. I, need, I, see, I still see some hands up. I still see them. Don't, don't let these people leave this place today without you being obedient to what God is. Amen. I see it. I see it happening. I see it happening. It's happening. It's that God is providing and he's using you as a servant to be a blessing in someone else's life. Keep that hand up. Come on, keep that hand up. I got to make sure everyone receives it. I still see one more hand. I still see it. Somebody walk over there and do what God is telling you to do. Amen. You be obedient right now. I didn't say to run away. I said to make sure you do what God is telling you to do and be obedient because this is the God that we serve. He's going to make sure that every miracle we need, it is met. Every need we have, it is met. Somebody help me thank him that he still meets every single need by his miraculous working power. And I think many times we look at God and we say, God, where's the power? And he reminds us that power's in you. Now, here's the sixth time, unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. That's not where it ends. According to the power that works in us. Woo. You are God's power at work in this generation. You are. You are. Because you are to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You are to cast out demons in Jesus' name and they have to flee. You are his miraculous working power in an unbelieving generation. You are. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that God shares his power with someone normal like me? Woo. Before I close this service, next Sunday, on the calendar tells us it's Pentecost Sunday. Jesus told the disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem until the promise of power came upon them. That promise is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power that is work. He is the one working inside of you. So the scripture tells us, it's not by my might, it's not by my power, it's by His Spirit that I'm able to do what I do. His power working. If you could sense the power of God coming from my life today, it wasn't me, it was the power of God working through me, in me, for you. All I did was just be obedient. I just said, just do it. Just do it. Whatever you want to do, just do it. And I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's all I did. You have that same power working inside of you. This week, I'm going to pray for opportunities for you to raise your level of expectation. I'm going to pray for opportunities for you to actually pray with people. I'm going to pray for opportunities for you to see miracles happen in your family's lives, in your neighborhood, on the job. Where, as you're walking through Target, spending too much money, I'm going to pray that God will give you an opportunity to see a miracle happen in your life. Amen. Amen. According to the power that is working in us. We're going to see this God who can literally blow our minds. Is he a miracle worker? The answer is you already know. Can he provide all your needs? You already. Ooh, does he keep his word? When he makes a promise, is he going to see it through until it's completed? You already know. Am I the redeemed of the Lord? You already know. Am I a chosen generation? You already know. Does God have me here for such a time as this? You already know. Amen. So who are our family? Let's walk in that knowledge this week. And when you're not sure what to do, just do what you already know. Ooh, they cut me off. I want to I cuss them out. But I already know to let the peace of God overtake my mouth and I'll just tell them to go to heaven. Amen. Come on, somebody.
<laughs> you already know. You already know. You already know. You're not in darkness anymore. You're not in ignorance. That's where the enemy operates. You already know. So let's walk in the light. Let's walk in the truth. As he is in the light. Amen. Speak blessings over your week this week. But the greatest blessings will not be for those who sit. The greatest blessings are reserved for those who serve. 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 Next Sunday, when we come and gather for Pentecost Sunday, we're also going to have families here who've never been here before because it's also our child dedication Sunday. Let them see the power of God, not just in me. Let them see the power of God in you. Can I get an amen? Come on, can I get an amen from a vessel who's ready to be filled to the brim? Amen. Just quickly, as we close the service, throw up your hands one more time. Throw up your hands one more time. I'm going to give you a proper benediction. I don't typically do this, but I'm going to give you a proper benediction. Then I'm actually going to go to the door for the first time in like five months. Here we go. May you go out with joy. May you be led forth with peace. May mountains get out of your way. May giants fall in the battlefields you possess. May every sickness leave your body. May every disease and fear and struggle literally get up and remove itself from your life. May the sorrow and pain of your past be healed today. And may in this moment you know who you are. Know who you are as a child of God. He is with you. He is for you. He is in you and you are in him. And this is about to be one of the most blessed weeks of your life. So be it in Jesus' name. I love you. God bless you. I will see you Wednesday night at the Ortegas or next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great week.